Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and it's a hot, muggy Monday. Uh, what point will the markets really take full uh, adjust to what has been going on? I think some of that might be filtering in already. We're going to talk a little bit about the weather, but more importantly, what is going on when it comes to the markets? We've got a pro-farmer crop tour that is underway, continued issues in China, continued things happening in the Black Sea region that keep grabbing headlines, not only agricultural-wise, but non-ag. We're going to dive into all of that and how it affected a mixed market trade on the grain side, mixed market as well on the hogs. And don't forget, we had a cattle on feed report as well from last Friday. So Mike Zuzalo is going to join us. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And we've got to start out with the pro-farmer crop tour because I saw some early early in the day uh, kind of tweet rumbles going out there that the tour was underway. Obviously, they're in South Dakota, moving their way towards Grand Island, Nebraska for this evening. Kind of what's your thoughts? What have you heard? Kind of what's the feel for this tour so far? You know, I haven't seen as much as I normally do um, from the Twitter feed uh, at this point, Susan, and, and I think that's um, one thing to be watching. For me, going into the weekend and knowing that the crop tour was this week, um, there's, there's a I think, a pretty sizable chasm and disagreement in the trade by analysts that uh, the, the crop and corn is well on its way to being made, whereas the soybeans we are doing a lot of damage in this heat, um, and, and we're going to lose a lot of pods, and we're going to see a lot of aborted pods and probably a lot of BBs in those pods. I question that, and I'm hoping that the Pro Farmer Tour, by the pictures and by their commentary, note that the crop in some of these key states like Nebraska, like Iowa, uh, like Missouri and Minnesota, and even parts of Illinois, um, are not as mature as maybe the trade thinks. and. I'm just using basic um, analysis here, but I can tell you that when I look at the corn dough stage in the states I mentioned, and as the United States as a whole, last week we were at 65% dough. Um, A year ago on the 22nd of August, which would be equivalent to today's crop update, we were at 75%. And for the soy pod set, uh, last week we were at 78%. A year ago today, we were at 85, 84%. So I could say just based upon those numbers and the states that I look at um, that I talked about, we are no farther advanced in dough, corn stage, or soy pod set than we were a year ago. And we have to remember that last year, July took the corn yield down from 177 in July. They lowered it in August to 175.4. 172.5 in September, and then a low watermark in October of 171.9 before raising it up um, in November and then finally raising it to 173.3. So if we have the same or similar crop conditions, maturity as we had last year, why would the corn not be following the beans more, especially given that based upon my price model with November beans hitting 1380 today uh, for a high, that would suggest we're down to about a 175 carryover being priced in. And that would be essentially a 50 bushel yield. And last year's yield was 49.5. So to, to really elongate the answer to your simple question, I am hoping that the trade gets back on track with the idea that the corn can be damaged as much, maybe not as much, but can be damaged along with the soybeans if this heat remains. And I will say one last thing. The updated models on the GFS update did take the temperatures back up 
We do get a cold front in Des Moines, Iowa, but we're back up into the mid-90s by the end of next week. And so, and, and we here in Atchison are supposed to be back up into the triple digits. So the cold front doesn't last very long, which is kind of common, in my opinion, in the month of August when you get a ridge of high pressure. Yeah, and I know there's been some discussions, and neither you or I are meteorologists, but I've even seen some some comments um, comparing all of these uh, models and, and some concerns that we're not seeing what is normal, I guess, uh, what's the words I'm trying to use here, Mike, some consistency between all the models when they look at this August weather forecast. That's exactly right. The variability is probably the word word you're looking for. There's such a wide variability in the confidence level in these models. I, I buy some models that give you a predictability percentage, and some of them are no better than 20, 25%, only five days out. And I think that's a really valid point to make. So the big the big question I go back to and the big situation I look at, Susan, we've talked about this a lot, is the wheat market and what it's doing to the corn market. And the wheat gave up first in the, in the overnight uh, session on Sunday night. And, and the corn just could not break free from that. And I think in part because of this sentiment, this this trader mindset, this analyst mindset, that the corn yields not being heard. And I think I went back and looked at where we were in soft red wheat and hard red wheat back in last August, and we were trading 725 to 825 in the soft red wheat, and 807 to 927 were the high and low in the hard red wheat in August of 2022. And so you know, while we're close to where we were in the hard red wheat, uh, we're a long way. I mean, we're below $6. We're a long way from where we were in August of 2022 for soft red wheat. And I think that really has a lot to do with what's going on in the corn market still. So look, before we head to break, let's talk a little bit about the Financial Times and the Black Sea region. Yeah, they, they broke a story when uh, Sunday night late and, and said that they're coming up with a new deal with global insurers to cover grain ships in that corridor that they just set off, set up, which is right off the coast of Romania and Bulgaria, and kind of a safe area that their land defenses can protect ships. And so with the help of the United Nations, and I suspect the EU and the United States, and, and cost-sharing help is what I'm getting at, um, they're, I think, going to try as early as next month to start moving grain again by the Black Sea. And, and this is a two-edged sword because it shows you that the trucks – transportation and the Danube River port and, and moving it up the Danube River is just not getting the job done. And so they're, they're needing to get the Black Sea back online. All right. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up. It's second half around the corner. We're going to talk about China and what's going on there with their financials. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzlo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And I want to say Mike told us. I'm going to use that as a statement. Mike told us what was going on with China when it came to imports and them looking at Brazil. We talked about this just last week, Mike. And then I saw um, some numbers right around 57.8 Um thousand metric tons of corn from brazil just during the month of july 
And they're still buying from Brazil, not so much looking towards us yet. No, the percentage is definitely going down, and, and that is the unfortunate part. And it goes back to the dollar, and it goes back to the Chinese economy, um, and, and their super weak uh, currency at this point. And I mean, it, it is close to, still close to uh, trying to test and take out its record low against the dollar and the offshore currency that was, you know, goes all the way back to 2010 when it was set up. But, China is an enigma right now. It always has been, Susan, because their soybean imports January through July, and these are their numbers. January through July, U.S. is still up 10.8%. But as you say, we've slipped a lot. Um, and, and Brazil has steadily increased to where now their January through July exports to China uh, are up 12.2%. And we used to be the number one. Brazil used to be number two. And, and they're clearly taking over. And these have, this has several implications. Number one, it's good news that, that China has good, strong demand in agriculture. They continue to buy more corn from us because of Ukraine. Um, they continue to buy more wheat from other countries because of their problems domestically. Um, but the, the downside is, is that we know we have to rely upon them. And their real estate sector just continues to get worse. Their property sector keeps getting worse. And, and now their banking system is showing some real concerns. Um, and it's a liquidity crisis that's brewing over there that those tend to blend into or bleed into a, an outright financial crisis. And we have to realize that the property sector, the real estate sector in China, is 30% of their gross domestic product. Their whole country, a third of it is founded upon their real estate sector. It's the biggest contributor to their economy. And their savings rate is around 50%, about $2.6 trillion in their savings by people, and people tend to uh, use their savings to invest in real estate, and so it it can be a real domino effect, and so that's what the market's dealing with right now. And the market's also dealing with everything that's going on with China, not only with their imports, but with their economy. Yeah, and this is where, for the so- soybean and corn producer, I think we got to keep it relatively simple. The, the bean-corn ratio, uh, it, t- it tends to get really, really elastic and really hard to get above 3.0. Today, we closed at about 2.82, no beans premium to these corn. And so now we're getting back, I think, to a level of price where the beans can't do it alone anymore. They're going to be looking for the wheat and the corn for some help um, as they stretch their legs up to three, four-week highs like they did earlier today. And if they don't get that help, then they're probably going to fall right back uh, with the wheat and the corn, and, and in part because of our bond yields. Our 10-year bond yield literally hit the highest since November of 2007, and uh, that 15-, 16-year high, I think, is pulling money out of the, uh, the the risk assets, and it's creating this stronger dollar. And part of the reason why we're seeing this kind of a rise in the bond yield is because of the fear that China has, as you say, with their economy. What's some of your biggest concerns uh, that you have as you look at this big picture with China? Because they've always had such an important role in in our economy here, in agriculture. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that exactly. And I think the biggest concern is simply this, that, that the trade for the better part of now almost two years has been only focused upon the, the demand side of the equation and not the supply side. My biggest concern when it's all said and done, Susan, is that unless we have a outright, an outright financial crisis um, and, and it ble- bleeds over into the world, um, the trade's going to wake up one day real soon and not have enough grains to supply the world because 
they got too comfortable with just having enough. And, and we should have learned the lesson during the pandemic that we don't want a just-in-time type of supply chain. We want what they started to call a just-in-case supply chain. So the good news possibly is that the Federal Reserve meets this week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I wonder if they won't see what's happening in our bond yields, what's happening in China, what's happening with Europe having deflationary pressures, and start to talk about not raising rates anymore. That could put a high in the bond yields which then should put a high on the dollar, and then maybe we start to get some of our export demand back. We're going to run out of time, but Catalan Feed Report, what was your biggest highlight? The biggest highlight is how are we going to see 465 million more pounds of beef in 2024 commercial production that USDA gave us, gave us about two weeks ago when we've got 8% less on feed, 9% less placed in the month of July, and five, almost 6% less in marketings. And that's really going to be a tough thing to crack, but that's one of the big pieces of analysis I'll be working on here in the next week or so. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you? Globalcomresearch.com. Sign up for a trial, take a look at our product services, and uh, see what you think. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.